0: that you need. If you need it, He'll provide it. Eh, Well, what about those things in my life that He's not provided? You didn't need it. I know what you did, and so does God. You went into the store, and you switched the labels. So the label was, you know, desire. Oh, I desire this. And so you took that desire label, and you switched it with the need label like God's going to be full. I thought, wait, you need that? Okay. Ah, It worked. No, it didn't. That's a desire. In fact, not only do you not need that truth be made known, you don't want that. Which is why it is, by the way, that God, when we ask God for something, God goes, "Mm The angels given charge concerning you are going, don't ask for that. You don't want that. And we have a a safety mechanism in place, because as James will say, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. God's not going to give us something if it's bad for us. Just like you as an earthly parent, a fallen parent will not give something bad to your children. So we're praying. We have no idea. We're praying, we're asking God, God, let me win the lottery. Come on, you prayed that. <laughs> oh, let me just, because you, you hear all these statistics. Well, I'll tithe on the winnings. So just, you know, Lord, get, no, I'm not going to let you get all that money all at once because it'll destroy you. And I love you. It would not be good for you. I'm not going to give it to you. If it were good, I would give it to you. But I can't, and you don't want me to. Because your life would be destroyed. You know, I, I probably say this more often now. I hope you don't tire of me saying it, but God will always answer our prayers exactly the same way we would answer our own prayers if we knew what He knew. And He's all knowing. He knows the end from the beginning. So here, we're praying for something. We're asking God for something. We're trusting God for something. And God's like, no, not because I'm being mean, but because I love you. And if I were to give that to you, it would be catastrophic. So no, I'm not going to give it to you. I got something way more better. I have something way more better. You know, for those of you that that have prayer lists, that you keep, you know, prayer prayer lists, or prayer journals, have you ever gone back over those? I've had one for many, many years. I, I've gone back. This is, it's, it's really actually humorous. But you go back over those prayers that you prayed so many years ago, and you find yourself praising God and thanking God that he did not answer that prayer the way you prayed it, when you prayed it. Because if he did, it would have been unthinkable, horrific. And here's another thing, with the way my prayer list is, I've gone back and edited them. I have a lot of edits. (laughs) Where you, you know, we say prayer changes things, but actually prayer changes the one who prays. So I've gone back over those prayers, and I thought, hmm, yeah, let me try praying this way. And God's like, whoa, you see, He made the edit. Get down there. It's good now. Give it to Him. It's good. See, He was praying for this, and no, but now He's edited it, changed it. That's what prayer does. And now I can give that to Him. God's never going to give us anything that's going to take us away from Him. Whenever God gives us something, it's always with the purpose of us drawing nearer to Him. And again, as James is going to talk about, we draw near to the Lord, and He in turn draws near to us. And that's really a good litmus test, by the way, something that has served me well over the years. And this is in every arena of life. The question, the test is, this is the template, if you will, that you have to superimpose on everything in your life. All your prayer requests, entertainment, relationships, everything. Does it, you fill in the blank, draw me closer to God, or does it distance me further from God? So if I'm all of a sudden coming into all of this wealth, is that going to draw me nearer to God? Or is it going to busy me, distract me, and distance me from God? That's the test. Because see, if having that is going to change me to where I start putting my trust in what I have, and God knows that, then He's going to withhold that, so that my trust is in Him. I love that saying. I know you've heard it before. You'll never know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. That is so, so true. And when you don't have, you're going to look to the Lord. If you do have it, it's already in the bank, no problem. But if it's not in the bank, man, i got to trust the Lord. What a novel idea. Oh my goodness, you have to trust the Lord? Oh, you poor thing. <laughs> really? That's how we think though, isn't it? Again, here's the truth. The humble will be exalted, and the exalted humbled, especially when it comes to worldly possessions and wealth. Here's the last one in verse 11, prosperity can foster false security. Now we're going to, instead of talking about trusting in riches in the present, we're going to now talk about putting our security in riches for the future. It's important to understand that the context in which James is inspired to write this is in the context of trials. He starts out, right out of the shoe, talking about consider it pure joy when you encounter various trials. It's in the context with which he writes about now riches. Why do I point that out? Because. Think this through with me. While those in poverty certainly have their financial trials. And in that day, the recipients of this epistle had lost everything to follow Jesus. They lost their livelihood, they lost their jobs, they lost their families, they lost their homes, because they counted the cost to follow Jesus. So that, that in and of itself was a trial. So the poverty, those in poverty certainly had their financial trials, but those in prosperity had the much greater trial. And here's why. It's because having wealth gives a person this false sense of security. I find it very interesting that at the end of verse 11, James, by the Spirit, would say, not only is this flower of your riches passing away, it's, you're going to go to work one day, you're going to go to your business one day, and while you're conducting business, while you're at work, it's gone. Have a nice day. (laughs) That's what he says. Wait, oh, Oh, wait a minute. You thought you had security. Your security was in your business, your job. Job security, we call it. I have job security. Oh, really? Well, you might want to revisit verse 11, because you're going to go to your job one day, and it's going to go away that very day while you're at work. That's your security? You're you're placing the security of your future in what you have? Oof. Oh, can I draw your attention to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6? We'll close with this. This is uh, affectionately referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, I think it was Larry Burkett, the late Larry Burkett, who dubbed it the Sermon on the Amount. Okay, well, it's, I know it's late. We're, We're almost done. Just hang in there. So listen to what Jesus says concerning money. And by the way, did you know that Jesus talked more about money than He did heaven and hell combined? You think this is an issue? It's an issue. Jesus had a lot to say about money, and such is the case here, beginning in verse 19. Listen to what he says. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where the IRS, I mean thieves break in and steal. That's in the JDV, by the way, verse 19. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. And here's why. Here's the why behind the what again. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Notice he doesn't say it the other way around. He doesn't say where your heart is, that's where your treasure is going to be. No. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And by the way, it's very secure. You want you want financial security. Yeah. All right, i got a great account up here for you. And it's very secure. Nobody has access to it. The Canadian government can't touch it. Neither can the U.S. government for that matter. In fact, no government can, because it's in heaven. Secure. Once you, you know, again I'm. Uh, you'll forgive me for quoting Larry Burkett. I was a student of his, a big fan of his, but uh, he would always talk about you can't you can't take it with you. When was the last time you saw a hearse pulling a U-Haul? I mean, that still works today in our day. In fact, there's no rental cars. So people are renting U-Hauls, I guess, when they come to Hawaii. But anyway, you've never seen a hearse towing a... You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. It it reminds me of that um, true story. I forget the guy's name, one of these big wealthy guys. You would know his name if, if I could remember it, but I can't. But that's not the point. He dies, extremely wealthy. I mean, just absurd, obscene wealth, and he dies. So at his funeral, the question is asked, how much did he leave? The answer, all of it. That's how much he left. So uh, I have an idea. <laughs> Instead of stockpiling it here, why don't you transfer it up there? And by the way uh, if your treasures down here if you, if your your heart is where your treasure is if your treasures down here then that's where your heart is so your treasure is in your financial portfolio how's that working out for you <laughs> especially now oh but i'm i've uh, i got a pretty uh, secure portfolio really okay um not for long, not for long. Yeah, but I'm I'm secure. No, you're not. It's vulnerable. And by the way, that's why you don't sleep so well at night, because you, your heart is where your treasure is, and your treasure is here on earth. And it's very volatile, and very insecure, and very vulnerable. And so you're up and down with the stock market or your portfolio value, or cryptocurrency. You're up and down with it, because that's where your heart is. Uh, you'll sleep so much better at night, because it's it's up there. And the, the, the return on the investment in heaven, <laughs> there's no number. There's no number. And not only that, but not only do you have an investment portfolio in heaven. We've also got a place that is being prepared for you in heaven, a mansion. I can't wait to see what mine's gonna look like one time my wife my daughter and I walked to uh Kailua Beach and there's this uh one place at flags where uh on the corner somebody bought it and they just built a mansion, not just one guest house. I think there were two or three guest houses I'm like. this is nice. And then the Holy Spirit's right there going, what are you doing? This is an outhouse compared to what I'm building for you up there. Okay, I digress. Verse 22, he goes on. We're almost done. The lamp of the body is the eye. This is very important. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And then he says this, and you know this passage, you know this verse. No one can serve two masters for either keyword, he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. Notice he doesn't say, you shouldn't, it would be a good idea if, if you didn't. No, he says you cannot. It's an impossibility. It's one or the other. Either or. You're either serving mammon or you're serving God, but you can't serve both. I know you're trying. Maybe that would explain why your life is the way it is. Maybe that would explain why you're in the turmoil that you are. Maybe that will explain why you're riddled with fear and crippled with worry. Because you know what he talks about right after this? Therefore, do not worry. Oh, wait a minute. I see a connection here. (laughs) The more you have down here, the more you worry about losing what you have down here. If it's up there, no worries. No worries. I don't have to worry about a thing. It's up there. If it's down here, you you better worry. (laughs) you got a lot to worry about. But if it's up there, you got nothing to worry about. Don't worry about what you're going to. And this is why it applies to us here and now, not just there, after. Your father's going to take care of you. And for those of you that have been to Israel with us, it is so, I mean, it is magnificent. That's an understatement. There you are on the hillside. you got the Sea of Galilee there. And this is where Jesus preached this sermon. And he points to the, because he didn't have PowerPoint then. So he <laughs> he points to make his point to the birds. And he says, you see that bird up there? Do you see it like building extra big barns and stuffing worms in there, because it wants to make sure it has enough for next month's rent and next month? No, you don't. You don't see that bird freaking out. Why, because your heavenly Father feeds that bird, and by the way, you want to talk about flowers like james 's likening wealth too he says look at these flowers now, in the spring, these flowers on the hillside are just i mean ah oh, they 're in full bloom and beautiful and they're free. They're not expensive. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> until the florist gets a hold of them. But anyway, so here's this beautiful flower. So he points to this flower. Just look at that flower. Okay. Have you ever seen anything so beautifully clothed? Even Solomon, in all of his wealth, the wealthiest man who ever lived in human history, was not even close to being clothed, as beautiful as this flower. What's your point, Lord? My point is, that flower is here today and gone tomorrow. And if your heavenly Father is going to clothe that flower that beautifully, and it's nowhere close to being as valuable as you, neither is that bird. Because that bird and that flower were not created in the image of God. You were. So how much more is God going to feed you and clothe you? Why are you running around? What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? I wore that last week. I can't wear that this week. The pagans do that. I'm going to provide for you. You've got nothing to worry about. I will feed you. I will clothe you. How much more valuable are you to me than they? And then he closes out. I I love verse 33, Matthew 6. I'm, I'm not happy about verse 34. I'm just being very open with you. Verse 33, you know it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I'm good with that. He could have stopped right there, but he didn't. He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for sufficient unto the day are the worries therein. (laughs) What? (laughs) You just told me not to worry, and then you just now are telling me that tomorrow I've got plenty of worries to worry about. Wait, no, stop at 33. I'm, I'm good at that. What do you mean? In other words, don't worry about tomorrow. The worries will be there for you tomorrow. You don't have to borrow them today. And by the way, I love how one said it, do you realize that today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday? I'll give you just a moment on that. Okay, you know, you worried about tomorrow, right? Well, it's, it's tomorrow, today. And today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. How you doing? Do you know that of the things that we worry about never happen. Now, for those of you that are fellow worriers like myself, um, what about the .00001 that does? I'm glad you asked. If it does happen, that which you worry about happening, which the Lord says don't worry about it, God will give you the grace that you need at the time that you need it. And it's never as bad as you imagined it. And aren't we good at imagining? I mean, we manufacture these scenarios, you know, the what ifs. I mean, it's not, and Satan is all too ready (laughs) to take you down that road as far as you'll let him. What if? And wow, what if? And isn't it true that the worry is always about tomorrow? I mean, you're not worried about yesterday, it's over. <laughs> well, you're not worried about yesterday. Yesterday's gone. You're worried about tomorrow. You're worried about the future. You have no reason to be insecure. You are secure in Christ. If you belong to Him, He's obligated to you for His name's sake, not because you're special. It's not for your sake, it's for His name's sake. Because if word got out that this God doesn't take care of His people, that's on Him then. No, He's He's going to provide. That's His name. That's His nature. He's going to take care of you. If you belong to Him, you're a child of God. He's going to take care of you. (laughs) It may not be the way you think, in the amount that you want, in the color you want. Well, we're good at that too, right? When we ask God, we are very specific when it comes to the things we want, right? And we tell God, we give Him instructions on how to answer our prayer. Uh, I want it in this color, this way, at this time, in Jesus' name. God's like, really? That's what you want? Okay. Um, tomorrow, don't borrow tomorrow's worries today. Don't ruin today with tomorrow's worries. Tomorrow's worries are going to be there when you wake up. But the Lord's going to take care of whatever those are tomorrow, not today. Let's deal with today. And I'll take care of you today. Well, yeah, but Lord, I need... Well, you don't need that right now, right? No, I need it tomorrow. Okay, well, that's tomorrow. Don't worry about it today. Don't borrow tomorrow's worries today. <laughs> why don't you stand, Capone? Why don't you come up? I hope I, Lord, I, <laughs> I, I just do my best. You, the Holy Spirit has to, <laughs> has to take her from here. Oh, I love James, though. I hope you do too. I mean, don't you like someone who tells it like it is? It reminds me of that proverb, the wounds of a friend are faithful, but an enemy multiplies kisses. You're my friend if you'll tell me what I need to hear, even though it might hurt me. Oh, you don't love me. No, I love you. That's why I'm telling you the truth. It's the truth in love because of love. You don't love me if you only tell me what I want to hear and not what I need to hear. That's not, that's not love. That's self-love. You care more about yourself, because you don't want me to unfriend you on social media. Come on. You know what I'm talking about, right? So we don't want to ruffle anyone's feathers. So, you know, we're not going to tell them, hey, you keep going in this direction. You're going off the cliff, and it's it's, uh, game over. And I love you enough to tell you the truth. And here's this other person over here. They love themselves more. They're going to say, you know, it's an issue. You've got an issue. <laughs> and here's the one who really loves you said, no, uh, there is a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, it leads to death. You're careening towards, very fast, towards that destruction, choosing that path. And I love you enough to tell you that. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bother. Go ahead. I don't care. No, I care. I love you. I'm going to tell you the truth. And that's what James is doing by the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much. uh, This hits home for many of us, really all of us, if the truth be made known. We all deal with this on a daily basis. and, And it's hard because we've been so conditioned to put our trust in worldly riches. And now here comes James, inspired by the Holy Spirit, saying, you got it backwards. Lord, I thank You that You know the heart, You see the heart. You see every heart in this church right now, the heart that's hurting, the heart that's full of fear, the heart that is so worried and stressed right now about this very thing we talked about. Lord, I pray that You, as only You can, would reveal Yourself to them a and a new And you're so gentle, Lord, when you do. Just that reminder in that still small voice of the Holy Spirit, I've got this. (laughs) I'm going to take care of you. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will always provide for you. Just trust me. Just trust me. Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.